0: Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we discuss principles that help us live beyond the mask. My name is Robbie Angle, and I'll be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace in our relationships with God, ourselves, and others. Let's jump into this week's conversation. I'm super excited about this week's guest because he has been a really close friend of mine for probably eight or nine years now, and for about eight of those years, he was my boss, but no more. Uh, I have moved on, and he has not, Um, at at least that's what I like to tell him, Um, but this is my friend, uh, the lead pastor of Buckhead Church, Clay Scroggins. Clay, welcome to the True Face podcast. How you doing, man?
1: Thanks, Robbie. I'm doing great. I love how you put that, that you've moved on. And you make me sound like a a spurned lover who is just sitting here waiting on you to come back.
0: So uh, about a year ago, uh, Clay transitioned roles from North Point Community Church down to Buckhead Church as the lead pastor, swapped spots with Andy Stanley. And about that time, I I made the transition to True Face. And Clay is... Uh, best-selling author. He has written a couple books, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge and How to Lead in a World of Distraction. And he has five kids, uh, all 10 and under. He is a, f- a surprising athlete. If those of you who have not played sports with Clay, he's the sleeper in pretty much every sport. He's one of those eclectic, um, multi-skilled athletes uh, he is a savant when it comes to people's first names. That's my biggest pet peeve and annoyance of him. How else should I introduce you? This is pretty fun.
1: Well, we shot skeet together, and I was terrible. Oh, uh, I at did
0: that. dominate you in skeet. Yep, I mean um, it wasn't
1: even close.
0: And and your reaction to that snake was also not impressive.
1: We were sitting around a campfire, <laughs> and people were sharing their life stories. It was a very intimate, meaningful moment. Yep. And, uh, one guy was like, I saw him kind of turn around and then I noticed he was noticing something and I turned around and saw it. And this, I don't know what we say, Robbie, probably four foot long. Oh yeah. At least snake, maybe six was just sneaking up (laughs) on our campfire. It it sniffed out our campfire and was like, Ooh, that looks warm and cozy. And I did not <laughs> like that. Oh well, the other time, Robbie, remember when we were eating at Burger King when we decided we were going to eat the um, Impossible Whopper?
0: Oh yeah, I was <laughs> and there super was excited. A bug
1: in my burger, <laughs> that was amazing. You were done. And another time when I freaked out, you're yeah, done. I was like, I'm. He was like, you can eat some of mine. I'm like, I'm not eating anything else.
0: World, have we have just. It, which makes me pretty happy, done an intro and shared the three things that Clay has not excelled at in his life. Uh, dealing with bugs, snakes, and uh, skeet. and and skeet. Uh, so every other aspect of Clay's life, he is a mentor and a model and an incredible example to me. Not those three. Those, those three are your weaknesses. But 2020 is a year of growth, man. There's a lot of craziness going on. You can work on those. Sure. You can work. Right. Um, so Clay uh really is um one of my closest friends. He he was one of those bosses that I would uh follow him anywhere uh except Buckhead Church, apparently last year. But uh he is just an a, a stud. He's been a spiritual um mentor in a lot of ways in my life, um, an incredible friend. Him and Jenny have an amazing relationship. They have five beautiful kids. And it has been an honor to call this guy a friend, and he was also a co-leader with me for four years, four different groups. Clay and I co-led uh, a leader development group with a bunch of guys in their upper twenties, young thirties, which was some of the richest ministry I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Um, mm-hmm. We've been in the trenches. We've we've shared the stories, and and which is why it's just an honor to have this guy on here. Um, so, Clay. As the in the True Face podcast, we share, we have a guest share a story, unpack the principle, and then we just talk about it. And I'm super excited to have you on here. And I'm not positive the story you're talking about, which is why it's going to be fun today. Uh, But share a story with the True Face tribe, uh, those of us listening, that is just any story from your life, um, recent or far back.
1: You, I saw that prompt to bring a story and I didn't think long about it, quite honestly. I just went with the most recent uh, mess up I've had in my marriage that I thought I would just share. Come on. And I got my wife's permission on it, um, mostly because it makes me, she's the winner in all of it. That's the case. What percentage of of time? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Especially with Jenny. (laughs) That's right. So, uh, yeah, the way it went down, um, we are currently in that phase you know that one day we'll look back on as a part of history, where we are uh, sheltering in place, and I'm spending every day on calls like this—you know, Zoom meetings and FaceTime calls and phone calls—and um, I'm in a little room upstairs um, that's kind of a playroom kind of room, and our kids are homeschooling and all that downstairs, and Jenny's keeping all of life with the family moving while I'm keeping everything at work moving, and then I jump in and out as the dad and. Uh, co-principal of the school um, but I uh, last week well, we got a dog I got let me back up and say that we get, we have a dog uh, six month old uh, you know he's in those teenage years if you were to use dog years so he's out smoking with his friends really <laughs> making some bad choices as many people do as teenagers he's in that phase of his life his name is Tater Tot and uh, I love the dog Jenny has a mixed she has mixed emotions toward the dog but um, that's a different story for it every day so I'm, uh, we have this constant tension in our relationship where she feels like I give the dog too much freedom in our house. And if she had it her way until he shows that he is competent to potty where he is supposed to potty, he can't be inside roaming the house much. But the problem is I wake up in the morning earlier than she does. And so I, in the morning, will take him out I'll leave the door cracked open and I'll let him come back in whenever he's ready, which at that point, he does have a few moments of free reign. And so then usually I got to go get him and then I got to go put him in his room. And, you know, the time between from when he comes back inside to when I get him back in his room, it, it varies. I mean, it could be 60 seconds, anywhere to 20 minutes. And so this particular day uh, I'm in the kitchen helping a kid, you know, with something, it's probably six thirty 30 AM. Uh, maybe I was making some breakfast or something. And uh, she's still asleep. And so Tater comes back inside and I heard him come inside. But then probably five or 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, no, I haven't heard him since he came back inside. Where did he go? Well, he had run upstairs into Cooper, our um, uh, five-year-old's bedroom. Cooper was already up in another kid's room playing Legos. So I run upstairs. I oh, no, know. Tater's upstairs. I run upstairs and I hear him in Cooper's room. The lights were still off. And I grabbed him, took him downstairs, put him in his room. Mm-hmm. So that happened about six thirty at about 10 am I'm in a um, somewhat I, I think the meeting was actually kind of boring, it was frustrating. It was one of those meetings at work. yeah, everyone's had this thought where you've thought, couldn't we have handled this over email? Yeah, <laughs> one of those you know where there was a lot of reporting going on, and I was probably already frustrated, and I was sitting I had been in that meeting since about 8.30 a.m. And so, and it was going to actually last till about 11.30. So it was about a three hour meeting that I just felt like a lot of it was not a great use of my time, which is probably a little prideful and frustrating. And also um, I just was, I was irritated. So at about 10.30, uh, 10, between 10, 10.30, she sends me a text. And I thought I would just read her text um, to you, Robbie. Come on. She said, jake said you let tater roam i feel so disrespected when you do that i don't understand why you can't just put him in his room mm. so um jake is our uh nine-year-old child so my first thought was my nine-year-old sold me out like my nine-year-old yep. told, told on me Snitching. um See, so he's a snitch that's right <laughs> <laughs> he snitched. So." Um, then second of all, I just thought you feel so disrespected. That is a very strong word because I thought I'm not trying to disrespect you. I was just trying to keep him. Some of the problem is if I immediately put him in his room, he just barks, which I'm afraid is going to wake her up. And so I was really doing it mm-hmm. to try to keep everything quiet so that she could continue to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I felt like I had a pure motive, certainly not to disrespect her. And I wasn't just completely disregarding her wish Um, the other thing I felt is I remember thinking, does she think that I just take the dog and go put him in a precarious position? Oh, I'm sorry. The other thing she said in the text is Tater pooped and peed in Cooper's room. Mm. That was the preceding text. That's an important factor. Yeah. Very important. Very (laughs) important detail of the story. So he poops and peed in the room. Then she says, Jake said, you let him roam. I feel so disrespected when you do that. So. I had about from the time I went downstairs, you know, because right now we're all kind of eating lunch together. So at about noon, I went downstairs. So from 1030 to noon in this boring meeting, I'm just sitting here stewing over her text message. So I think, does she think that I just took the dog and went and placed him in a room and said, hey, poop here. This will be fun. Wait till she finds it. Um, And I just worked myself up. I got I had all these imaginary conversations going on in my head about how dare she say that. And that was rude and all this, whatever. And so I go downstairs at noon and I just unloaded, you know, like every husband or wife has done in the past. And it was so wrong of me, not helpful of me. And so I just said, you think I'm disrespecting, respecting you? Are you kidding me? I'm just trying to keep him quiet. You think I wanted him to poop and pee somewhere. I'm sorry that the dumb dog isn't potty trained. I was trying to keep him quiet so that you could sleep longer. I'm on your team and all this. I don't understand why you come to me with all these emotions. I feel like you went from zero to 60. Disrespect is such a powerful word, all this mm. stuff. And she finally was like, hey, maybe you need to go back upstairs. Where are you getting all this emotion? Mm. I didn't mean all that by this. I just was simply saying I thought I was being kind in the way I said it. What were you just in the middle of? I was like, well, I was in the middle of a really boring meeting. She's like, well, maybe that's the problem, Mm. but you need to go. Let's try this over again. So she, you know, and then finally I was like, oh my gosh, what is my problem? Yeah. Um, I know that effective communication is listening, understanding and validating. And I didn't do any of that. I came in hot like Lecrae and Andy (laughs) Minio. Instead, I should have said, um, hey, tell me more. How did that make you feel? When you saw the poop and the pee, (laughs) is there anything you'd like me to do different? And then the other thing I've learned, Robbie, is that mature and healthy people, which I am growing in that, but I'm not yet one. They have the ability to let other people feel what they're feeling without having to agree with it or Mm. get inside of it. Mm. And I needed to uh, tap into that in that moment, as opposed to just getting so mad that she was disrespected.
0: You said let other people know how they're feeling without getting into it. What do you mean? By, give me an example of what that would have looked like.
1: Yeah. So what it would have looked like was me saying, hey, tell me more about you feeling disrespected. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, and then I could have said, you know what? I hate that you feel that way. That was certainly not my intention. And I'm so sorry that I made you feel disrespected. But I was definitely not trying to disrespect you um, in the future. I'll try to be more careful about that. But I really appreciate you sharing that.
0: How, how would... How- Go ahead.
1: Without being uh whipped around, I feel like I let her emotions whip me around huh. and get me into a uh worse place, as opposed to just validating her emotions and letting her experience what she experienced without having to get in the middle of all of it.
0: How do we do that? Because obviously that stirred emotions in you. How do you is there value? And how do we share that emotion that you felt? Because you had a lot of emotions. Is there value and how do you share that with her?
1: Yeah, I think you absolutely can. Um, but I think you start by, I think that listening, understanding and validating, I've learned that from my good friend, Ted Cunningham, is a really simple, practical way to think about communication. Mm. You got to start with listening, understanding and validating. Mm. And I didn't start there. I started with, let me tell you all the reasons you're wrong for feeling what you're feeling about that situation. Yeah. And I am, that's one of my many weaknesses in relationships, is I quickly rush to judgment in my head. I think I'm right, mm. they're wrong, and I immediately play out all the reasons why. And, um, suspending your judgment in that moment and going, I'm not going to, I'm not going to assess any blame in this situation. I'm simply going to get some more facts. I'm going to do some more listening, understanding, and validating. Mm. I think that's the first step in all this is instead of immediately going, well, uh, cause I didn't have to let my feelings be hurt by it, yep. but I let them be hurt by it. And if, you know, I listen, understand and validate it, and, and I still realize, oh, she really does feel like I was disrespecting her. Then I can go, well, can I just reflect back the way that word feels the, oh, that good. word disrespect really feels like you're saying that I don't value you as a human or that I don't, care about what you think or what you believe. And that could not be further from the truth. But I had a professional coach for a while, uh, Dean Harbury, who used to always talk about staying in the balcony. Mm. The drama, the emotion is all on the stage. And we, to thrive in relationships, we've got to be able to stay in the balcony. And that's not to, uh, it doesn't mean we don't enter into what they're feeling. But it means that we're not whipped around by what they're feeling. We Mm -hmm. don't have to be. Another way to put it, uh, Pete Scazzaro, you pointed me to Pete Scazzaro's podcast on Emotionally Healthy Leaders, that emotionally healthy leaders are differentiated from other people. That was a good example of me not being differentiated from her, that I let her emotions dictate my emotions. I let the way she was feeling dictate the way I was feeling. And you can listen to the way someone's feeling. You can even say, hey, I can understand how you would feel that way. So from what I understand, what you're saying is, Anytime I let him roam, I'm making it feel like I don't care about you. Is that what you're saying?
0: Mm.
1: Wow, that's really unfortunate because that's not the way I feel. But it's it's all about distancing yourself. I think um, staying in the balcony, viewing life as a really watching it as a movie and not getting into the drama of it.
0: Yeah. You, were you able to connect? Uh, you you, may, you said a quote. I've been quoting you. I might have got it wrong for the past year and a half. Unresolved emotions go into the basement of your heart and lift weights. Is that did I yeah. mess that up? No, that's it. it um, I don't know it if it was you,
1: on a it was on a Tim Ferriss podcast. Tim Ferriss interviewed a lady who said that. That's
0: such really a good lying. quote. So, yeah, it w- was that just they a, double in
1: size, they get bigger, they, they grow, they don't just go away.
0: Was that response because another day, uh, she could have sent that text and it would have been like, okay, sorry, babe, I didn't mean that because yep. i've seen you do this so what did did you find out was it just a spillover of uh, the stress of that meeting or did were you able to identify the source of of that emotion that passed on to her
1: yeah i definitely feel like i was uh, my resilience tank or yeah. my patience the amount of patience that i have in this season yep. is certainly less than what it normally is yeah. because of all the changes in the world right now i mean this is not the way i want to be working uh, so the meeting I came from, I was frustrated by, but in general, there's just a additional level of stress, anxiety, uncertainty, fear, worry, all those negative emotions in this season. Yeah. Um, so yes, I quickly, I did. I think as she reflected back, I think at one point in the argument, she said, Whoa, 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 where are you getting all of this emotion? Yeah. yeah. And you know, in the moment, I think I was so on a roll. I was like, it's just because of the situation and I was so mad about it. And finally, <laughs> when I stopped, I was like, yeah, this is a lot of emotion that I'm bringing <laughs> to a not really that important situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I. Um, so 100% of us can relate to this. Unfortunately, last week, the, the past two weeks, I've been uh, tons to do with some deadlines. And so I, as I do in my stupidity, often squeeze out my morning time and just get to work and start cranking through the to-do list. And I did that. Real heavy uh, last week and this this week I have some um, deadlines for some writing projects and I've got access to a cabin up the road about an hour away. So I said this weekend, uh, just this past weekend, I said, hey, Emily, I, I know this is a big ask, but I really would love it would be super life giving to me to be able to go up to the cabin for a night like two days. I need to go up to this cabin and if I could stay the night, that would be really life giving to me in turn saying the only option I'm giving you is if you say no, you're taking away something that's life-giving and you're not really loving life-giving. me. Yeah, you um, really
1: built that request. Oh yeah,
0: it was strategic um, in my unhealth. And so she yeah. she uh, responded and she said, Robbie, you know that's like the one thing I don't like to be home alone and you know with all the stuff going on, I would be. And so can you just go up and come back at like six o'clock those days and drive a little bit extra? And in that everything in me, in my uh, resolve of being exhausted and my tank being dry, I so quickly went to defensive about me, my rationale. It's like 90 some percent of the time and listening to your story because I just did the same thing. um, It feels like it's so crazy because we know this, but anytime it's like defensive about us, that shows it's 90 something percent our situation, our issue going on, because we can't make it be about them, which is love of of serving them, caring for them. And what you said of like the curious and seeking understanding and understanding their perspective. Well, that's about them and defensiveness and rationalization and emotion is about me. And man, it's like if I could have a friend like you, like on an earpiece that any time I was emotionally reactive or defensive or going over three or four scenarios in my head about why somebody else is wrong and I'm right. If I like had somebody ping me every time and said, Robbie, 90 some percent chance this is your situation, your issue, something unresolved. And even as I say that, I know we have the Holy Spirit. So we have access I was just to that. <laughs> so say, I was like,
1: Robbie, I'm like, we do have him.
0: Uh, hey, Jesus actually called him a friend. And Pastor, settle down. <laughs> I'm not giving you that Jesus juke layup. I jumped into it ahead of you. But it's like, gosh, I, that is maturity for all of us. Like, yeah. we have the Holy Spirit to tell us, like, and give us those, like, buoy reminders. Like, the buoy is something above water that indicates something below water. And the buoy yeah. above water. Anytime I'm defensive or rationale or doing three or four scenarios of, of about it being about me means I am not loving or considerate or understanding the other person and man. Uh, and sometimes it's something significant, but a lot of times it's just a, a dry well, which I think a lot of us have right now because of the open loop of anxiety, uncertainty changes going on. Um
1: And I think there's a speed of life, too. I think mm. there is a. um I I've, I've learned this from you over the years, the ability to slow down even when you're walking into a situation or a meeting mm. and just to slow down enough and go Father, would you allow me to be sensitive to the spirit in mm-hmm. this conversation? Help me to listen to how how do you want me to love? What do you want me to hear? What would be the best thing for this person right now? Mm. To have that kind of pace where we're slowing down enough to have that conversation. With our Father in heaven to ask Him to let us be led by the Spirit is way uh, usually uh, yields better results than just rushing from thing to thing to thing, hmm. where we're just in a reactive uh, reactionary mode of life.
0: Yeah, but I need that strategy time before the meeting to box Emily into a lose lose scenario to let to get me my night away.
1: Uh, Bobby, I've had the exact same situation. It, what it ha- what would happen for me is I would get somebody would ask me to speak at something. Yeah, that would really get me excited. Oh, yeah. Now it would be the same thing. I would go, Hey, I know we got a lot going on, but this person just called and wanted to speak this thing. Gosh, I'm so excited about it. That sounds so fun. And she finally just said, Hey, you can't keep putting me in that situation because it's a so lose good. lose. If I say yes, I'm sad and I'm bummed. And now I got extra work. If I say no, then I'm crushing your dreams. And that's not <laughs> a great place for me to be in. So, can you start regulating some of that on your own and looking out for me and not putting me in that situation? gosh
0: yeah all right so when i'm going into something with open loops if i pause and say father help me to it to be about the other person to love them because if it's about me and i know going into the conversation if it's a reactive feeling inside of me or a defensive or a justifying position i'm not ready to love them man spirit help me be more aware of that in my life to grow Clay, I love you, man. This is so fun. See your face even though we can't hang out in person right now. Y'all, Clay has written a couple books, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge and How to Lead in a World of Distraction. And I highly recommend both those books. Go get them. Uh, You can tune in like I did last Sunday to Buckhead Church Online. Is that the website URL?
1: Uh, It's just BuckheadChurch.org.
0: To check out here Clay's teaching, Um, he is a phenomenally gifted man, husband, friend, and pastor. And I've been thankful for him. Thanks for being a part of the True Face team, Clay, uh, for supporting us here and loving us so well uh, at True Face. Um, So two questions as we wrap up. What's something in your life that's life-giving? And what's something that you're learning from right now?
1: Oh, man. Life-giving, I would say, we're doing a screen-free Saturday.
0: Come on. It's been really
1: life-giving. I'm just taking a Sabbath from the screens. Our kids are staring at screens during school all week. And then on Sunday, our church is online, so certainly can't take a Sabbath from the screen on Sundays. (laughs) So Saturday is kind of our only day to do it. That's been really life-giving. I've learned to really look forward to it. I think the first week was like, oh, gosh, I don't know that I'm going to like this. And now it has quickly become my favorite day of the week. And then the second thing you said, what is God teaching me right now? Yeah.
0: What are you learning? What are you reading? What are you learning? Uh, This could be a book, somebody you're studying, anything.
1: Yeah. uh, Let's see. Um, I would say the first thing that came to my mind, there was a news report last week that this town in India uh, for the first time in 30 years that the people in the city could see the Himalayan mountains because uh, there was so much pollution in the city they couldn't see it. And because of the current uh way our society is turning down the noise, hmm. specifically turning down the pollution, they can now see the Himalayans. Hmm. Um that's so I think that's what I'm that's what I'm learning right now is that all of this uh all the the way that life has been changed and affected and so many different losses and so many different things that we have turned down w- without our permission or that have been canceled that um it's not all bad, but there is something that God's trying to show us. There's some, there's a Himalayan mountain for every single one of us that God wants us to see right now in this season. And so I'm, uh, I think I'm just, he's teaching me that for sure to be wide eyed. Um, you know, when you dribble in basketball, that was always the biggest skill was having to learn how to keep your head up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, uh, yeah, trying to do that.
0: That's awesome. Y'all, Uh, we hope you enjoyed this podcast Uh, give it five stars if you liked it subscribe to it share with your friends and tune in in a couple weeks for our next episode thanks y'all bye